everybody. I'd like to welcome you to uh, Combat Learjet podcast. So I appreciate everybody joining us today. We have a special guest today. We've been trying to get this uh, going for a long time. So uh, Pilot Stuff is finally uh, coming on to uh, join us. We get a chance to, we'll talk a lot tonight about uh, his career, our careers together, and uh, just maybe a little background to some of the stuff you see on IG all the time. We appreciate you joining us tonight. We'll only use first names today, Jay, but uh, Jay, I just want to welcome you uh, on board the podcast. Appreciate you taking some time out. I know it's it's been difficult to work this out so that we could both get together and uh, and do this. Well, thanks, man. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we got you loud and clear, Jay. All right, just checking. Thanks for having me on, you guys. I really appreciate it, Derek and Steve. Just glad to be here. Well, that's awesome, Jay. Yeah, we want to, like I said, we're going to cover a lot of topics tonight. Um, I just want to start off by... Uh, you know, I know you just retired from the military. I posted some stuff on that, as you did. 30 years, that's awesome. I, I appreciate your service to this great country. And I just want to start off by giving you an opportunity to tell your story, kind of how you got into flying, how you got in the military, uh, some of the paths you've taken. Uh, I know that this is uh, your your path is a little bit different than, uh, you know, some of the others in the military. So that's why I'm excited for you to be able to share that so that we can we can help those out there that are kind of looking at uh, getting in the military and, and uh, following uh, along in what we did. Sure. Sure. I'll, I'll try to tailor it, um, you know, for the young guys coming up that are interested in, you know, maybe joining the air force or uh, becoming a pilot in some other way. I can just tell you what my path was real quickly. I'll just give a recap. <clears throat> and uh, it started from a young age, you know, I'll, I'll spare you all the boyhood details, but I wanted to fly from a very young age like a very you know, 14 15 i had it in my head that's that's what i wanted to do for a living so i wanted to fly airplanes but i didn't know quite how to do it thought i'd be an airline pilot never gave a thought to the military and uh i knew what i wanted to do i just didn't know how to get there like so many people probably do at that age right now so as it turns out everyone i told everyone that i wanted to be a pilot and I happened to be at a family reunion and a distant relative happened to be a pilot that I, that I didn't even know. So my parents introduced me to him. It turns out he's a military pilot. He flew A-7 Corsairs in Pittsburgh. And I'm forever grateful uh, to this guy. His name is George Elliott. Uh, but anyway, he was a lieutenant colonel in the Air National Guard. And he invited me to uh, come down for a drill weekend at the Air National Guard and see the A-7 Corsairs and you know, possibly look at that as an alternative to maybe even going to the airlines, at least initially, which... Of course, I learned later that you just don't go to the airlines, at least not the big ones, immediately. There's a lot of long, there's a long road before that happens. So I met him at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning, drove down to Pittsburgh, walked into a hangar full of A7 Corsairs that were packed in there. And I, I just couldn't believe my eyes bugged out of my head. I'd never seen a jet up close like that. And uh, it wasn't what I was expecting because I'd never even seen one. There's no internet back then. So I didn't have any pictures really. I just walked in and there were all these jets right in my face so before i know it he's pulling out the ladder out of the side of the airplane and asked me if i want to jump up and get in the cockpit so of course you know a big smile on my face i race up the side of this airplane very carefully because it's kind of high off the ground and uh when you're not used to it you can fall pretty easily but I, I jumped up in there got in the cockpit and as soon as i hit that seat uh, there was no doubt in my mind if there if there was prior to that what i wanted to do for the rest of my life so that's kind of where it all started for me. Um, bigger picture from there down the road was 
I signed up at age 17 in high school, so I was still a junior in high school. When I signed up, you had to have parental consent. Still do, probably at age 17. Uh, so, joined the Air National Guard, signed up, went to Lackland Air Force Base, you know, slick sleeve, uh, basic training, graduated that, came back that fall, went to college and started my four year degree, you know, some flight lessons in there, uh, worked in the evenings and went to school. So, it was pretty busy for me during my college days. What graduated was your job in the Air National Guard? It was being a life support technician. I chose that specifically so I could work with the pilots. You know, it's the guys that clean the masks and make sure the G suits are operating correctly and, you know, cleaning helmets, that kind of thing. Also got to train some survival skills for the pilots too. That was always entertaining. So after I graduated, got my degree. That was the key for me. You have to have a four year degree now to fly in the military. So by that time, the A 7 Corsairs were just going away and I, was selected to go to fly the KC-135 E models at that time. Went to pilot training at uh, Columbus Air Force Base, Mississippi. Finished that year, as anybody will tell you that's flown in the military. You know that that time training to fly jets is the best time of your life. You know the first time you, you know, solo. In my case, it's T-37 and a T-38. It's a uh, <clears throat> it's a memory you won't soon forget. So exciting year, difficult year. Uh, a lot of work went into that. Came back to fly at Pittsburgh, fly the KC-135 for three years, and then I uh, decided that I wanted to get out of the tanker world and go do something different. So I found the C-21 unit out in Colorado Springs, and uh, before I got the offer to come fly there, I flew for PSA US Air Express, fly Doherty A328s for a little while, but then eventually. The C-21 unit called me and went out and flew Learjets, and that's what I've been for the last 18 years. And overall, I've got almost 31 years in and just retired a couple weeks ago. So pretty excited about that. It kind of brings us up to date. Um, what yeah, else that's can awesome. I tell you about any of that? Well, that's that's great. Obviously, JR paths crossed, uh, crossed when we uh, uh, in the C-21 world. In fact, uh, I hadn't mentioned this before, but you were on the uh, – hiring board that hired me so whether that was a good decision or bad we could leave it at that but uh <laughs> that's right that's you were right. you were there when i interviewed <laughs> with the 200th uh, to get hired on so uh and that was back in 2000 that we uh we met so uh we could yeah, we could true. fill a whole podcast up with some of our uh uh combat learjet stories flying around the c21 um and we'll we'll talk about a couple of those but uh uh yeah, that, that's fantastic. And I, I think that gives people an idea of another path to get into the military, choosing the Air National Guard right out of the, right out of the gate, working a different job. I thought it was interesting that you worked. Is that pretty common? Would you say when you first join the Guard that you're going to have a job for a while, probably before they send you to pilot training? Yeah, that's the key. And that was the deal coming in. Uh, the lieutenant colonel that I got to know initially, you know, he knew I wanted to fly airplanes, but come on, I'm the kid. I'm a kid. I'm barely uh, 17 years old by the time I signed up. You know, you don't know what you want to do at age 17. And if somebody 17 year old told me they wanted to fly, I'd be like, yeah, it's great. But you never know when they're going to change their mind. So his advice to me was, you know, do the best you can. Stay out of trouble, number one, because that'll ruin your career right there. If you start yeah. getting a track record with the police. Get the best grades you can. Keep your nose clean. And, uh you know, get to know people. And uh, 
after a few years of that, working your way through college, after four or five years of being there, they know you by that time. And now you've got the best chance of becoming a pilot in that unit. Who are they going to hire? A guy that's been working for them hard, that's uh, a good guy, that's staying out of trouble, doing what he's supposed to be doing, he wants to fly, or somebody that you don't know coming in from the outside of the unit, which, you know, great guys do that all the time. But I'm just saying, if you got a history with somebody, it's a little bit different, right? You've seen yeah. them, you've been able to watch them. So that was that's kind of the, the kind of the key. And did you and do some flying? I, I thought it was great advice. I still pass it on to the guys today. So awesome. Did you do flying on your own before you actually got picked up for a pilot slot? Yeah, I mean, all through college, I worked. Um, I worked towards that goal. You know, worked in the evenings, studied during the week. On the weekends, I'd go fly, try to get my private pilot's license. So I worked that out during school. So, like I said, you know, working, going to school, getting the private pilot's license, I didn't have a lot of spare time. It was tough. I mean, I, I, I didn't get the best grades probably as a result. I don't know how much that's just, uh, you know, uh, you know how, how big or how small my brain is or uh, how much I was working at the time. But uh, yeah. I, I can tell you for guys out there that don't have perfect grades, there's, there's hope. I mean, it's not like pilots are geniuses or anything, that's for sure. So, yeah. Yep. Just want to throw that out there as well. Well, and I, I get I get asked a lot on Instagram. Do I have to have an engineering degree? Do I have to have specific degrees? And we've talked a little bit about this in the past. And the answer to that is no. Um, I'd share that I had a psychology degree, which my degree by itself is a throwaway degree. Um, and I, I forget what your you went to some little bitty no name college, Jay. What what did you get your degree in? So. Yeah, I went to a little school in Pennsylvania called Grove City College. My degree was actually a weird four-year degree called Computer Systems Psychology. It was all—it wasn't a two degrees; it was just one four-year degree, which they don't even have it anymore. It was kind of an obscure thing, but there are two things I was interested in, so that's that's what it was. But yeah, it doesn't really matter what your degree is. I, I think they have a preference for things that have logic, math, you know, or you know, computers or aviation, obviously. But I don't think there's any problem being an accounting major or, a, you know, a mathematician or math major or anything like that either. That's great, man. So, so I know uh, we'll touch on it. You've, you've since retired. You retired just recently, correct? I did about two weeks yeah. ago. Oh, awesome. Ooh, last flight. Yep. That was great. That's great. And I know for me personally, I retired back in June. It's, it's a little bit of a transition. You're probably in that mode still where you're starting going, wow, I'm really not in the military anymore. Uh, right. Yeah. Especially every, when you've been in it for 30 years. So every, uh, every day I wake up and I think, wow, it's, it's not part of my life anymore. But like you said, you know, I've moved on to greener pastures in my mind and I had a lot of fun, but I don't, I don't really miss it. I just miss the people. I yeah. don't miss, I don't even miss the airplane. I mean, I, yeah. I guess I kind of do a little bit, but I don't miss being all cramped up in a Learjet. So. Well, it, as far as that, it's funny you mentioned that. We, Jay and I were uh, both on the bigger size of the pilot. So uh, it is the, the Learjet is a very compact, uncomfortable airplane. I like to tell people it was fantastic to fly for about an hour, hour and a half. And then the pain sets in and you weren't able to lean your seat back. Yeah, the seat was always for everybody. For most people, it was all the way back against the stops. The rudder pedals do not adjust, so you're just squeezed in there. 
And we flew a lot of these missions that were four-hour missions, you know, back and forth to Andrews. And literally by the time uh, you finished up, uh, you could barely get out of the airplane. Yeah. Many times pouring myself out of the airplane. Yeah. Uh, And honestly, uh, you know, just shared a little more personal with us. Both Jay and I ended up with back surgeries uh, directly related to the Learjet. So that tiny cockpit. Yeah, the tiny cockpit uh, for hours on end. The other thing that uh, caused a lot of uh, back problems for guys is that we loaded the bags in the front of the airplane all the way to the back of the airplane. And uh, you couldn't, you can't stand in, up in the airplane, obviously. So you're loading these huge bags and it just, you're doing it bent over and it's tough. So. Yeah, didn't you, uh, in the desert, you're loading uh, spy film from the U-2 planes. How much did yeah. that weigh? 200 pounds or something? Yeah, those those canisters were about 200 pounds each, and a couple times you'd load, you know, we'd load a, two of them up, and uh, just, they didn't fit, so we'd have to pull seats out and trying to get those in. And I remember at at one point, I was starting to have quite a bit of back problems, and I'm thinking when they when they come out, I'm going to have them uh, the folks bringing it out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have them do the bulk of the lifting because I'm hurting. And I'll never forget it. It's probably about 1130 at night. I'm sitting on the ramp and uh, I, I think Aldafra and out come uh, two young female <laughs> enlisted. They couldn't have weighed 150 pounds, maybe 200 pounds together. So I'm like, well, I guess I am helping lift all this in. So it was just tough to get it in and get it tied down and 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 ready to move to the next place. So, uh, so yeah, that was a downside. Um, and I, I know that we probably had, I don't know, four or five guys had back, back surgeries and issues because of the Learjet. Some so, of it very serious back. Surgery. Yeah. We, we had one pilot that we lost long-term just due to, due to back injuries. So that, that's, that was a downside. I know the F-16 guys that we were attached to, they all had neck issues. You fly the F-16 long enough with a helmet and night vision goggles and all that pulling G's and ends up tweaking your neck and the Learjet pilots all had back issues. So that's awesome, Jay. As we talked about that, I just wanted to mention, you know, tomorrow's Veterans Day. Uh, Obviously, uh, I know I've already thought about for my Instagram, I'm wanting to post a lot of different pictures from different veterans and stuff. And just what it means that the people that are out there still doing it and have served this country. And uh, I know you probably feel the same way I do. It's just, uh, uh, it's a blessing to me to be interacting with a lot of these folks that have done that. And I'm grateful that Instagram has allowed me to kind of touch base with a lot more of those. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, I also think that, what is it today or was it yesterday was the uh, Marine Corps? Yeah, today. Yeah, yeah today. I feel bad. I haven't posted anything uh, in regard to them, but I post their stuff once in a while too. But uh, yeah, I'll have to put something out there. You know, Instagram is you get tied up doing things and it ebbs and flows. Sometimes you're, post 20 things in one day and then the next thing you don't see anything for a week. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Well, you know, I wanted to mention Jay, uh, uh, I thought back as I was getting ready for this, one of the, one of the most memorable times that you and I flew together. Uh, and I would have to say it was the time that you and I went up to Alaska for a week. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Our, our our marching orders, whether this be right or wrong, uh, the way the military runs their military budget, uh, is it's it's designated on the flying hours each year. And towards the end of the fiscal year, which is in September, um, we fly out our hours. And we're doing training. We're flying around to different stuff. But 
for the most part, the military flies their hours out to the very end to make sure you use them all up. And again, we could debate this, how the military does their budget, but if you don't fly your hours out, you risk not getting your same hours next year and budget. So, so you and I left, headed out the door to do some training in Alaska. And really our, uh, our job was to go and visit as much as we could and get in and out of a lot of these different fields. And the, the reason behind that is we have a, up in Alaska, they have a lot of uh, early warning system uh, in place up there. And we would often haul passengers up into these locations so that they could check on them. So there was a, a purpose by it. But uh, I remember just enjoying, we went into some crazy places. So, uh, yeah, we went into, I'll never forget, in the Nome. Uh, that's the one that stands out. And uh, Nome isn't the smallest place we probably went into, but that was. We've since been back. Uh, actually, I've been not that long ago, actually, huh? The two of us. Yeah. Yep. We got to walk on the ocean up there. <laughs> but uh, I'll never forget the first time we were up there, we had brand new satellite phones. Do you remember this story? <laughs> I do. Yeah. And uh, we're just getting clearance to get out of there. And we had satellite phones. So Steve thought he might as well try it out. So he calls flight service. And to get a clearance out of there, and I'll never forget the guy on the other end. I remember hearing him saying something like, uh, "You know, you're where?" And I was like, "No." I'm like, "I don't think we've ever had anybody call in an IFR flight plan I've known before." So, <laughs> the military first for a combat yep. jet. <clears throat> the story I remember is we uh, we flew up to Barrow, which is way up north, and uh, the. Uh, <laughs> The weather was low, so we kind of had we had to fly an NDB approach in there, which we had the capability of flying that, but we didn't ever really do too many of them in real life. We practiced them, but they're um, they were they're difficult approaches. That's and, fine. Uh, I don't remember that at all. But if you're so going to do did, an NDB approach, why not do it to? Yeah, to Barrow, I remember Alaska. we did the full procedure NDB into Barrow, and uh, we come in, we land, and you know, the runway is just terrible. I remember it was just rough and bumpy and we taxied off and it was almost gravel. Uh, it wasn't categorized that, but I'm like, man, we got the Learjet in kind of a nasty place. So, so Jay, you and I decided to hop out. We're going to go get something to eat. Well, Bear Alaska is not known for a lot of restaurants, a lot of uh, great places. So people don't travel there for the cuisine. It was not. Yeah. They don't travel there for the great cuisine. So we, <laughs> We got directions from the guy at uh, base ops saying, yeah, if you go down this road, take a left and this road, it's a house, but it's actually a restaurant and uh, they serve pizza. So I'm like, all right, let's go. So Jay and I headed down there and I remember walking down the streets and there was like caribou carcasses. You remember that Jay? Just kind of strewn around. Hunters. (laughs) Yeah. They right there. Skinned them in their driveway and left the remains right there. I remember just being, shocked by that and uh anyway we walked to the to this house it was a so-called restaurant we ordered probably the only pizza they had on the menu some kind of combination there jay and i each got one i'll never forget looking at the door it said absolutely positively no entrance into the kitchen <laughs> so they wanted like nobody to go back there that made me think hmm, wonder what's back there <laughs> and then uh so our pizza out. Yeah, our pizzas come out. Jay's eating his. is like, oh, it's delicious. I take one bite of mine, and there's just this. It's got to be a two-foot-long black hair all wrapped through the cheese oh, and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
do I send this back or not? So ultimately I, I didn't send it back. I didn't eat it. And Jay's over there. You're just munching yours going, mine's great. I got nothing in mine. So <laughs> yeah, mine was it actually thought it was pretty good pizza until I saw that, but yeah. I'll never forget that hair. Not only was it long, but it seemed abnormally thick and abnormally black. <laughs> <laughs> and abnormally disturbing yeah and i remember it was like baked in and around the cheese i mean it wasn't yeah, just like a little it was yeah it's i can still see you pulling it out of your mouth <laughs> yeah so yeah anyway so that was one of it but i think that i don't remember where we went but we went in probably 10 or 15 locations in alaska to include yeah. dead horse king salmon dead horse pharaoh gnome what was the uh, farthest north you'd ever gone I think Barrow must have been that, wasn't it? Is that as far north as we went up there? I don't know which is farther, Barrow or Dead Horse. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe Dead Horse, then, I think, too. Dead Horse. It's just such a lovely name for a town. Yeah. It was actually a, a nice runway, and that we ate at a cafeteria there because there's that's where the Alaskan pipeline starts. Ah. So there's a lot of workers up there, and they had a lot of stuff. Went to Kodiak, Kodiak. Cold Bay. Cold Bay, yeah. What about uh, the uh, the farthest out in the Aleutians? Yeah, we tried to go. Didn't did you and IJ try to get out to like uh, what's way out there? Shimmy and uh, Adak, but I I wasn't on any of those to try to go out there. Cold Bay was enough for me. I, otherwise, it just seemed painful to go out there. Yeah, but uh, a lot of stories from Cold Bay though too. Fishing for snagging uh, red salmon up there legally, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, I remember we stayed at that house. It was not. There's no hotels in Cold Bay. So you're staying at somebody's house and the owners were supposed to stay in the house next door and they decided to come over and stay in the house with you and I and a couple <laughs> other pilots. Yeah. And uh, That's so I, weird. I remember thinking uh, the movie Misery where you're tied to your bed and they lop your ankles over. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking this that's going to happen to us. We're, we're never getting out of here. The, the same lady, who, what's the name of the lady in that movie that played that part? Yeah. I can see her face anyway. That she she was a dead ringer almost for her. <laughs> I can see her cornering you. For some reason, she picked you out. She'd get you in these real intense conversations, like yep. in a corner, and the rest of us just kind of like slink off away and get, to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, leave me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, well, it's a weird it, place at Pulled Bay. The other thing is weird is she would, she acted so normal. Like she came out with this platter of cookies. Hey, would you guys like a warm cookie, chocolate chip cookie? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, we're like, yeah, that'd be great. So we're loading. You know, I had one or two. Jay, you had nine or ten. I don't know. And then, <laughs> and then we get our bill, and it's like each cookie was like four bucks or something. This <laughs> <laughs> bizarre, man. That is crazy. So yeah, it was well, a great uh, time. Her husband was just a strange cat as well. I hope they're not listening to this. I'm sure they are. Oh, they don't but, have uh, internet. I, I'm yeah. convinced the guy was on some kind of some kind of drugs because every three or four hours he would hop on a four-wheeler go around the back of their house to some other shed that they had and then you'd see him come back after about 20 minutes yeah. and do you remember this uh steve i remember we're in this house like this big group house weird like you're staying at your relatives or something but you're actually on an international guard mission and um the guy's sitting there in the middle of the room it's like a community room in a chair that's fairly upright and he is stone cold asleep. Yeah. The only yeah. problem is his eyes are half open, <laughs> which is just creeping me out. So I'm like, I, I wanted to take a picture of him in the worst way. Like 
up close, but I, I just didn't, I didn't want to get busted. So I couldn't yeah. do it, but yeah. I remember he, he zone out like that. We had to drive from that place out to where we fished and we had to cross this river. It was amazing. Cold Basin, it's an incredible place. There's tons of, of uh, grizzly bears up there. And I mean, we saw them all over the place. And yeah. it's, a, it's a small area that, you know, I, I, I don't want to hammer everybody that lives in Cold Bay, but <laughs> your average person does not move to Cold Bay, Alaska. It's just out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing out there. And uh, I remember we borrowed his Suburban. We, I say borrowed it. We paid for it. We rented it to go out. And he didn't, were you in the vehicle? He didn't want to put it in four-wheel drive. Is that what it was? Or I, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, he's, we're, we're crossing at uh, low tide because it's the only time you can cross certain areas out there. So there's a flow of water. And uh, we're crossing low tide. I don't remember how deep it was, maybe a foot or a foot and a half. It was enough to get my attention because it was probably 100 feet across. And I remember him kind of explaining to me, you know, how I didn't need four-wheel drive. Because like, I asked him, do you need four-wheel drive? He's like, no, just put it two-wheel drive, you'll be fine. So I'm like, uh, okay, because I'm driving a pickup. Steve, you're in the first car with him. Yep. yep. Is that right? So you guys are going across. And I'm like, man, this guy's crazy. So he, he goes all the way across, about 15 feet from the other side, from the, getting up on the shore. I can see the rear end of your, your vehicle starting to slide out. With the water flow i'm like oh my god they're gonna go, they're gonna go, <laughs> go in the, with the tide yeah and then uh and then i think he stopped it and put it in four-wheel drive somehow you guys made it out of there even after stopping which i was surprised but uh i i didn't listen to him i had it four-wheel drive the whole time and you know, you know we didn't have any problems so, but uh yeah i remember going out there though i remember seeing the grizzly bears sticking their heads up out of the bushes that were so dense yep. and uh we did have a big old weapon of some type i can't remember was it a shotgun or was it a rifle I don't remember what it was. I just remember. Yeah. But it was, he did put it in full drive once we got stuck out there. So I thought it was yeah. funny. He told you not to, and then he did. But, yeah. uh, and there was a bear right near there. So I'm, I'm more worried about that as we, as we begin to float down the river. I'm like, if we have to get out, we're going to look like a big peak salmon for this bear, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they're coastal grizzlies. They're yeah. those big brown bear that feed on the salmon that are, I mean, they're going to, the inland ones are gigantic. Yeah, so, they're huge. I didn't, yeah, I didn't want a grizzly man situation to <laughs> no, up on me. No, I didn't. So that was a good time. I was, it, was, said, those it was a great time. We enjoyed it. You know, on that point, obviously, Jay, and if you haven't figured it out yet, we're we're great friends. We've we've been friends a long time. We give each other a hard time on Instagram. I don't I don't know how it started, Jay. We just kind of went back and forth. Um I know we uh uh you know we we've we give each other we gave each other a hard time in the squadron so it kind of naturally carried over to instagram but uh you know even our post so. for those of you that can't actually see steve his arms are much shorter than a normal human so <laughs> <laughs> want to throw that out there, yeah, throw that out there. well and i was hoping you could talk today about all your uh busted check rides and atc violations so <laughs> i'm hoping we can get into that before we're done here too so but, uh, I've got a busted check ride. Yeah, I know. Well, that's good. So. I don't know if you do. Steve is a miracle. He's a, he's a wonder child. Do you have any busted check rides? I busted a couple in pilot training, but nothing since then. So Were they check rides? No, they were the right. You know, the uh, I did bust a check ride, ride in pilot training. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. At least one. All right. Yeah. So, 
But, uh, you know, they didn't have four mates that went along with them, so I kind of skated well, out of that. But That's the flip side. I didn't, I didn't bust any check rides in pilot training, but I sure came close to it on my very first one in the T-37. I was the first one to solo, and they give you downgrades for all the maneuvers that you do, or they can give you downgrades. You know, when you perform each maneuver or each task, they have yeah. a sheet they can check whatever they want to. And a downgrade doesn't make you feel the check ride, if I remember correctly, but it's uh, it's called a downgrade for a reason because they, they want you to know how to do better. So I think I had about 20 downgrades and I still passed the check ride. <laughs> well, I don't remember. I don't remember what they were for or anything. Or yeah, I'm, I remember. I couldn't even believe how many there were. But uh, I remember I busted on the flip side of that. I busted my contact check in the 37, and it was a three downgrade bust. And oh, I don't remember. Yeah, I, you could have I didn't too. put the flaps at the right setting for the landing or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, at that point, you're still trying to figure out how to buckle your seatbelt. So flying a, yeah. a jet is difficult. But yeah, I, I remember coming back and I actually, I busted, but I ended up scoring higher than guys that passed their check ride with multiple downgrades. So yeah, it's just one of those crazy, crazy things. So yeah, it's where I remember the contact check rides, like all the aerobatic stuff. I, that was my thing coming into pilot training. The hard part for me was, uh, and the adjustment was all the instrument flying. I, I didn't yeah. know what an instrument approach plate was. I thought it was something you ate off of, but yeah. <laughs> I, and that was honestly, that was the part of flying that I got used to when I'm, I'm like, we're not just out here having a good time, you know, doing loops and barrels. We got to do math sometimes and, you know, fly this yeah. exact course and read these procedures for missed approach. And like that kind of took the fun out of, out of it for a while for me. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's work trying to learn all that stuff. Jay, I think we're going to take a quick break. If you'll stay with us and uh, those live stay with us, um, we're going to take a quick break and this will divide the two up. And then when we come back, I'd like to talk more of our Instagram, kind of how we got started, maybe some chemtrails and just we'll open it up to a few questions that are out there. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, be sure to check out Combat Learjet on Instagram and Pilot Stuff on Instagram as well. Is that one word, Jay? Pilot Stuff? Add pilot stuff, one word. Pilot stuff, awesome. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.